you are tuned in to Sound Science with me, your host, Dr. Yuanzo Pierce. Guys, welcome to the first show of 2020. Last year got a little bit quiet towards the end there after a little life hiatus for a couple of months. I'm glad to say that we're back and we will be back every Monday of the month, 9 till 10 a.m. PST. So I hope you'll continue to join me in the cozy chiasm between science and music. I'm super excited about the guests that we have planned for the next year, especially this one, my first guest of the decade, Jana Winderen. So last November, I went to a symposium organised by Fulcrum Arts at the Arts Centre College of Design in Pasadena here in Los Angeles. And it was called Free Radicals on the Provocations of Awe. It was a two-day programme of artist talks, performances, screenings and panel conversations, which were all aimed at trying to understand the phenomenon of awe through the lens of art and science which you know is completely my jam and it included uh, things about robots and space science and botany and um, augmented reality and virtual reality. I only got to go on one of the days and I went to a series of talks on space which were fascinating and it was here that I um, I encountered my guest this month Jana Winderen. So I heard her speak and was absolutely enthralled by her she has a background in both art and science. Um, her background is in mathematics and chemistry and fish ecology from the University of Oslo. So, of course, I love her because her work is a perfect example of arts and science done well. Her work is focused around audio environments and ecosystems, which are hard for humans to access both physically and orally. So, of course, I had to have her on the show. So I contacted her and she kindly agreed to do an interview with me. And honestly, it seems to me like there is nowhere that this woman won't go. She's so awesome. And her talk and the interview she agreed to do with me was so much fun. And I'm really excited to share it with you guys. Yana has an impressive body of work, which I urge you to check out at www.yana.com. Yanawinderen.com. She releases her audiovisual works on Touch Radio. And on today's show, I'll be playing sounds from her latest release, Spring in Bloom, in the Marginal Ice Zone. So stay tuned for that. But first, a little bit of this. Yes, no, I am good. It was such a good time in LA, you know, it's my first oh, time there. So I really enjoyed it. It was, uh, yeah, I want to come back. <laughs> so I really enjoyed the seminar, like this, the talks all blew me away. Yeah. Especially yours, I love that. That was great. I had to go, you know, I'd, uh, I don't know if you, I wasn't there for the, for the Sunday and the afternoon on Saturday because I had to go back to Norway. So at the moment, you know, I'm back oh, in Norway no. and preparing for this uh, show I'm doing in, um, in Miami next week again. Oh, awesome. So, uh, yeah, so I'm coming back over, <laughs> over the ocean uh, oh, for, for that. Right. So, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, a bit too much back and forth, but what's the show that you're doing uh, I'm doing a 22 channel um, 
installation the, in the rotunda at the beach there, close to the Art Basel, but it's not actually inside of the Art Basel area, but it's uh, or it, I mean, it's part of the Art Basel. It's a commission by Audemars Piguet, um, oh, no. which I've done only the first part of that, and this is kind of the second part of it, so it's it's separate in a large round building out in the park. So I look forward to that. It's exciting. I'm so excited to have you on the show this month. I recently attended a talk you gave for a Fulcrum Arts event at the Arts Centre College of Design called Free Radicals on the Provocations of Awe, which was itself really, really awesome. So I'm interested in the authentic ways in which science and art overlap. And I know you studied art at Falmouth School of Art, but you started off studying science. So could you tell me a little bit about that journey? Yes, since I was a child, I've always been very, you know, curious about finding out what's happening, especially underwater. Mm-hmm. And, you know, out in the forest, spent a lot of time actually by myself out in the forest and out in my rowing boat and uh, curious about what was <laughs> happening out uh, in the environment I grew up, you know. And uh, so it was kind of natural to me to start to study uh, science and uh, wanted to do, become a marine biologist and do research on the mammals in the ocean. So I did that for some years in Oslo, mathematics, chemistry, biochemistry, fish ecology. So Mm -hmm. because of health reasons and uh, the kind of poisonous material we were dealing with in the organic chemistry lab, I actually had to stop that, that path. Uh, oh because I couldn't uh, have a future in the in the lab, which I was sad to do, uh, but also curious about uh, you know following the line of uh, the other very big interest I always had, which was uh, to draw and you know make things. Uh-huh. So I then decided to uh, to go and study art, and I started my foundation course in Falmouth, which uh-huh. is uh, down on the coast in England. Later on. I went to London and studied fine art at Goldsmiths College, part of University of London. So after then, like two years, it sort of stopped making sense for me to make more objects. You know, I didn't really want to kind of uh, be part of this production of making things and, uh, you know, creating more landfills. But at that time, I started to go outside. I wanted to work with some material that is very physical, that's sound is, you know, also uh, you know, I worked with light or, you know, just existing uh, spaces um, around there in in the area. Slowly, I've been coming back to uh, the science part, you know, (laughs) (laughs) uh, working together with marine biologists and uh, and also, you know, since getting on like 14 years since I specialized my work around sounds from underwater. But already since 1992, I started to work with sound. So it's, it's all kind of following the interest I have to to explore and to look at how we are treating the planet that I was really very much concerned with already as a child. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of more following that than from different perspectives. Yeah, it sounds like there's definitely a theme in although you've used different practices, it all comes back to the same focus. So in terms of sound, personally, I really love how differences in sound perception between different creatures create sort of secret worlds within the same world. There are things that bats can perceive that 
that we can't. I just wonder which creature fascinates you the most when it comes to sound perception, because I know that you've done a lot of work with various different um, species, like rats and 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 bats and fish. Yeah. I think that um, in terms of uh, saying what is the most fascinating, it keeps coming, you know, that is why it's so exciting to work with this, because I keep finding out uh, new things, you know, all the time. And I mean, even like last night, (laughs) I was reading about um, ants, because I've been recording ants with hydrophones for quite uh, some time. But I was just starting to read now a paper about how uh, ants actually are using stridulation and how they are actually communicating in a different with different types of stridulation together mm-hmm. and so I will follow that now but I'm also working with you know, I'm very fascinated by the underwater insects uh, they are so small but they also so loud wow. which is uh, you know <laughs> they use uh, also stridulation and I'm kind of curious at the moment with a project I'm, I'm doing how they are uh, amplifying the sound and how they actually are listening and uh, you know how they how this is happening through the bone structure in wow. fish for example you know they have all these sort of different ways of listening wow. uh, you have the lateral line along the side of the fish for example and you have uh, you know the bone structure being connected to the swim bladder and cod for example they they make sound with these drum muscles on the swim bladder and um, and they, they have different sounds for different purposes so you know when you start kind of listening in and reading papers and out experiencing just by being in the water and listening myself you know just with bone conduction in the water yourself you also learn from all different types of inputs so i would say you know it's it's the science and it's the the actual perception that i do out in the field and and us talking to people that know different techniques of listening and over years you collect so much interesting and it never stops you know so (laughs) so it's forever like really fascinating you know it keeps growing so i I won't say any kind of one particular thing it's it keeps coming it's a really difficult question to answer i mean just in that description now the idea of being able to listen without ears and listening through your skin it's wild it's really i think it really makes you think about what sound is on a basic level and what its purpose is in terms of communication Uh, you mentioned a particular device that you use the hydrophone is that right yes i use hydrophones of different sorts i mean there are different uh, different types of hydrophones but they're all based on the piezoelectric you know the technology Uh, so you need to have it in in contact with the material you're picking up the vibrations from kind of like, or the the sound pressure level you know so i use uh, one that is called the reason 4032 which is a, it's a very it picks up really really good details and a wide frequency spectrum all the way up in the ultrasound range and down into infrasound so it's very powerful because you can't yourself perceive the sounds that you're recording. I mean, how do you record in real time? Yeah, when I record with an ultrasound detector that I use, it's Mm a particular also recorder, uh, I'm able to frequency shift in real time. 
Ah, so I can listen when I am out in the field with it um, in real time, or I can use a kind of heterodyne technique that is kind of imitating the frequencies that happened in the ultrasound range, and it gives you a representation of it, or a kind of image of it, or rather say an audible image. So you can listen, but of course you can't time stretch in the real time. And uh, yeah, I remember I mentioned that in the talk. Yeah, it would be fascinating, would wouldn't it, even if we were actually able to stretch time in oh, real time as we could just like put things on pause <laughs> yes. it would be so great if we could actually you know slow uh, down time in real time it would be fantastic but uh, of course no it's not really possible unless we go into kind of some other mental space I'm not yeah, sure how to do that uh, <laughs> so it could be interesting to kind of <laughs> maybe it's possible but you will know that more about that, I guess. That uh, you know how to uh, actually uh, how to perceive differently. I mean, I'm sure it could be possible. So yeah, um, but some when I'm out recording in the um, in the ocean, for example, I would be slowing it down when I get back, or you know when I can uh, stretch it uh, when I record with my normal recorder. But a lot of the sounds is in audible range uh, underwater for human beings. I mean, you can say that, you know, goldfish, for mm -hmm. example, you know, carp, they are called um, hearing specialists because uh, they hear about the same frequency as we do, frequency area, you know, from about, you know, 20 hertz to 20,000 hertz. So they perceive the same as us, as human beings. Which is to me is interesting. I have never been able to record actually that uh, the uh, the carp is making sound except mechanical sound when they're chewing on things or you know when they're swimming, but mm. I've not heard them actually communicating with sound. But for some reason, it's been preferable for them to be able to be, be very aware of the same frequencies as as we are as human beings. So different fish for example you know they will have different uh, sensitivities in the frequency spectrum they will have you know some might be hearing in lower range but there is also fish that can hear in ultrasound range and it's believed that it's because uh, the echolocation of dolphins for example or two small whales they can be in the ultrasound range and you know the ultrasound range is only a human for the human hearing measurements you know for dolphins for example you know, they can hear far higher you know over 100,000 hertz wow. uh, and are using that in the echolocation so it's a much much wider spectrum and I, I like to kind of put attention to that mm. that there is species that can hear and and operate in the sort of quite other uh, areas of, of sound waves, so to say. As promised, here is the beginning of Jana's latest release, On Touch, Spring Bloom in the Marginal Zone.
What an amazing thing to be privy to. Like I said at the beginning, the idea of all of these different perceptions of sound, creating different worlds that us as humans are not privy to. And you have this practice that allows you to have a look into those worlds. I wondered actually what you feel in terms of technology. We talked about being able to stretch time, which would be amazing for many purposes, but what kind of technology do you think is missing when it comes to taking your work to the next level that doesn't exist yet? At the moment, I am actually, I, I am very excited at the moment because I'm going to a nanotechnology lab right over Christmas for a project. And I'm very excited to see what I can do in the sort of very, very, very small scale and how you know even down to molecular level how you know for example you know the exchange of oxygen going in and out of a of a air bubble in water for example kind of fascinated to look at the really 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 small scale you know in terms of of sound as well so uh, i am very excited to kind of learn more about that very soon in terms of what doesn't exist anywhere if, if it would be kind of great to you know at the fulcrum out the the outside there at the, the talks you know there was this mm-hmm. demonstration of a VR, you know, to kind of be inside of the cell, of a cell. Amazing. Um, that yeah, you, I missed you that. Could, I don't know if you experienced that yourself, but I was just, I tried it out for a while. And it's actually the first time I've been very fascinated by by having a VR in apparatus on my head. Uh, <laughs> and I could just see there is like possibilities there. If, yeah. if this kind of technology was easier to work with in terms of the visuals and we already kind of work in that with a with the sound. We work with the ambisonic editing. I I work with that for spaces, but it's also now accelerating a lot in the world of, of VR that you use it with headsets. You know that you actually move the sound around according to where you move your head, and and all that technology is existing. But in also on the visual side, that we could actually go inside the cell you know on that level and then go on the scale of the insect you know i'd love to do that that's something i would just you know i'd love to kind of be able to to look into that more so that was something i would like to do but also i have another project i'm working on which is actually sort of and helping aid for the for our perception underwater but that's that's to come i will tell talk to you about that next time I wanted to shift a little bit. So I'm a big fan of Touch Radio, which plays filled recordings, including yours. And I find it really good just for focusing or relaxing or meditating, falling asleep. I really find it useful. As a neuroscientist, I'm super interested in how different sound frequencies affect brain function. And we've had an episode on this before, but I just wondered if your research has led you in that direction at all, or if that's something that you are personally also interested in. I think it is super interesting how the different frequencies are kind of uh, working on all our body, so mm-hmm. to say. Yeah. And um, I think it's kind of, yes, I'm, I'm very, very interested in finding out more about that. And, it, and it's also kind of how the different frequencies are influencing other creatures mm-hmm. and more and more of course yes also how it influences uh, humans uh, so, so this is uh, something i'm you know working towards yes it's super interesting and i think so also in our daily life what we are surrounding ourselves with and how this is working on us unconsciously i think people are 
absolutely not enough aware of how the sound environment is working on their stress level. And for example, you know, obviously, you know, the low frequencies that are, that that is sort of a sign of something large moving, you know, so we will immediately be scared, you know, it's a kind of reflex reaction. So I think if you constantly having a kind of thundering kind of train outside your house, you're going to be in a constant stress situation all the time. So I think, you know, this and higher frequencies, everybody has a phone, phono curve. Every individual will have a different curve of the sensitivity to different frequencies. So this will be very individual. And I think people are not really enough aware of how individual this phono curve is for each person. And then I think it's interesting to kind of also make people generally more aware of so they can be more in control of their own sound environments. Definitely. And also even thinking about what we can't perceive that might be affecting us, I think is also interesting. I mean, the beauty of your work is that on a very basic level, it just sounds absolutely gorgeous. Um, But on a deeper level, it has a really important scientific value. And I think climate change has been a huge concern for a long time, but it feels currently like a really big concern for many people at the moment. So what have your River and North Pole project recordings revealed that would be hard to show you using other methods, do you think? I think when you record the sound, I mean, it's been important for me to actually be there, to have Mm -hmm. a, a feeling of the space, not just the sound, but, uh, you know, the temperature, uh, you know, what does it feel like to be there? So this yeah. is what I actually traveled to the CIs to to get some kind of larger understanding of what is actually happening here. What does it feel like? What is this CIs? Instead of just downloading from the internet, for example, this wouldn't make sense to me. So, I mean, it's, it's all these different uh, inputs uh, that uh, kind of, you know, comes into the composition mm-hmm. when I work with it. Mm-hmm. And I think also just to play back a sound file, I remember a long time ago when I first played back the melting of the sea ice, uh, no, not the sea ice, the glaciers in Greenland. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, this is how many years ago in the beginning when I was working with this. It was very emotional to people, you know, it comes so very close to you. Yeah. It, it touches you yeah. in a kind of physical way, you know, and it, it becomes what to say, uh, lack of a better word, real, uh, you know, and then looking at an image with a beautiful image of a melting uh, glacier, it's it's always kind of away from you. But when you hear the sound, it's so direct and it's so close to you. And, it, you know, it's a very physical experience. So that's one thing. But when also when I was on um, the latest one trip I had in the Barents Sea, we were looking at counting seals uh, with a drone. It was a project where somebody was trying out how it would be to use drones to uh, to have a better overview of how many seals were present. And they were counting, uh, I think it was Greenland seals. And then I had my hydrophones in the water and I heard bearded seals. So. I could actually give some more information by through listening yeah. at that particular spot, you know. By concentrated listening, I could hear which species it was that wasn't possible to see. So I think it could then give additional information to the scientists there also on the ship. Though I know they also have hydrophones um, uh, often, you know, in 
placed uh, together with the CTD measurements and stuff like that. But I think just this sort of immediate as to use it, and I think they all, um, often also do as a kind of way of hearing what's present. So it's a lot of additional information also about fish and fish populations in different areas. And of course, to say something about the health of a particular body of water, you can gain information from listening. Yeah. I think that that, I mean, the information that you can gain through through your method, I think definitely adds to the, the body of information that we have about the environment. When you think about the devastation of the environment, which is happening, I think you showed an image of the melting ice and that really got me. Um, I've seen images like that before, but as you say, it's a much more visceral experience with sound. So I think that it can have that effect on people in terms of making climate change more urgent and more real. But in terms of what you're seeing, is there hope or is it more bad news? Or are you seeing sort of changes that might be quite promising or anything like that? Yes, you know, I have been concerned with this since I was a child, you know, in the 70s. Uh, so I remember being very angry uh, as a young person and there was not very many people uh, listening to what I was talking about. And you had a kind of just, oh, yeah, 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 really. It was not, it, people were not taking it seriously. Mm. Um, but, but now, I mean, like 40 years later, there is a growing, it's a very big difference in the attention people have. And to me, that, that also young people and, and all the people that have been thinking about it all the time, also from the 70s and my, my, my parents' uh, generation, also yeah. uh, are coming forward now. So it's, I see a, a hope that people are talking more and more together and uh, are getting strong together about uh, making changes. So I'm, you know, of course, I think we are over this so-called uh, tipping point like long time mm -hmm. ago, but we mustn't give up hope. You know, we must not give up hope. We must give each other, you know, and, and be kind yeah. to each other and give, give uh, hope to each other. I think it's very, very important and listen to all voices. We need to listen to all together and discuss this. So like talking to you, you know, in a slightly different field uh, than I am. And, and for example, this with the fulcrum out that had this discussion where artists and scientists are talking together. I think this is really, really important and that we're listening to to all your knowledge, to local people, to, you know, all information to, to look at uh, solutions, I think. Yeah. I think, yeah, I absolutely agree with you. It's so simple and through collaboration and sharing perspectives, be able to get a more yeah. real perspective. That has given me hope. <laughs> so my last question to finish with is a bit lighter and just for the benefit of the show, because this is also a music show. You listen to a lot of field recordings and I'm going to be playing some of that on the show. But I was wondering when you're listening, when you're not listening, sorry, to bat or fish sounds, ETC, what kind of music do you like to listen to? Yeah, you know, I am, I must say, I am actually a great fan of uh, other of the artists on Dutch, actually. So when I was thinking about that, yeah, uh, you know, I love Christian Fennis' work, for example, and, you know, Philip Jack, and, uh, you know, of course, uh, Chris Watson, Hildur Godnadottir, and uh, there is there is many on the, the uh, label yeah, that I yeah. am listening to a lot. Karl Mikael von Hauswolf is uh, a great artist that I love listening to. BJ Nielsen, and they, they keep coming. New uh, new artists I uh, I love to listen to as well. 
I took Keanu's advice and have now fallen in love with Chris Watson's work. Here are a few pieces that I liked in particular.
Yeah, that was absolutely fascinating, Yana. Thank you so much for being a guest on my show. It's really such an honor. It's been a pleasure to speak to you. I'm really glad that we were able to have this conversation. Uh, great talking to you as well. Um, I hope you can keep in touch because I like to kind of, you know, turn it around and ask you questions. Oh, I would really love great. that. Yeah, I love it. Like I said, like that's why I came to Fulcrum. Like I love talking to artists and yeah. I love doing that. So I'm really glad that we've been able to connect. So that's the end of the show, folks. Um, for show notes, please go to www.soundsidespodcast.com. The show will be archived on the Dub Lab radio site. And if you didn't know already by now, Sound Science is also available as a podcast. And it's available wherever you get your podcasts, including iTunes and Spotify. You just need to search Dr. Wande Pierce and Sound Science and you should find it. So I'm now going to leave you with an excerpt from the second half of Yana's latest release, Spring Bloom in the Marginal Ice Zone. Happy New Year and have a great Monday.